Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Hopefully today we're going to take an interesting journey that I think that you will find it um, revealing, if you will, in opening up scriptures to you. We may recall that in the book of Exodus, it was Joseph that God chose to usher in his people into the land of Egypt. Now, it's 400 years later, and God has chosen Moses to be the one to lead his people out of bondage. And in today's message, I have three points. Point one, the plan. Point two, the plagues. And point three, the purpose. So let's start with the plan. Let me have slide number one, please. So Moses and Aaron told, I should say, and Moses told Aaron all the words that the Lord had sent him and all the signs which he commanded him. And then Moses and Aaron went and gathered all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did the signs in the sight of all the people. Verse 31. And so the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshiped. The first part of God's plan was a reacquaintance, introducing himself once again to his people. And he did this through his prophet Moses. And with that, he also provided three signs. We may recall that the first sign was the casting down of Moses' staff on the ground, and it became a serpent. Serpent. Second sign was taking his hand and inserting it into his cloak and removing it, and it was leprous, and reasserting it again and removing it, and it would be cleaned. And the third sign was taking water from the Nile in a vessel and pouring it out upon the ground that it would become blood. And when the people heard the words of Moses and Aaron, and when they saw the signs, they believed and they worshipped. God is reacquainting himself to his people, introducing himself again. It's slide number two. And afterwards, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that we may hold a feast 
to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is this Lord that I should obey his voice or let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. And so they, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us go three days into a journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God. Least he fall upon us with pestilence or with sword. And then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take your people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh looked. And Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. So that same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, you shall no longer deliver to the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And this one particular clarification I do want to make, um, Robert, keep that one up for just a second. It deals with um, verse 3, and it is, so they said. So we need to ask ourselves a question, who are they? Are we talking about uh, Moses and Aaron? Well, actually, we are not. And... Exodus 3, 18, and they shall hearken to your voice, and they shall come, thou, speaking to Moses and Aaron, and the elders of Israel. So in this particular case, the first meeting with Pharaoh included Moses, Aaron, and the elders of Israel. So this was Pharaoh's introduction to Hashem, to the Lord. Now, it's interesting of uh, Pharaoh's response. First response of Pharaoh is, hey, I don't know your Lord. I don't know your God. I don't know anything about him. And you know what? I don't care. I'm Pharaoh. Just leave me alone. As a matter of fact, I think you're scheming against me, you know? I really think you're making excuses to get people out of work. So, just because of that, you apparently have too much time on your hands, so I will make your task a little bit more difficult, so you won't have time to think about this Lord your God. So, I will no longer supply the straw for your brick. Go gather it for yourselves. How about that? Now, get out of my presence. Wow. But we have to notice something spectacular here with Pharaoh. He was spoken to by prophet, by witnesses, and by word. There were no miracles performed before Pharaoh this day. It was word against word. Pharaoh saying, my word is greater than your word. My word is greater than your God's word. And I've seen nothing to convince me otherwise. So therefore, get out of my sight. Okay, let's look at slide number three. So before this happens, of course, Pharaoh said, take away the straw. Let the Israelites and the Hebrews pick up their own straw. So as a result, in verse 13, it says, and the taskmasters forced them to hurry up and to fulfill the work, the daily quota, just as they had done before. Also, the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters were set over them, were beaten 
and were asked, have you fulfilled, why have you not fulfilled your task in making brick as yesterday and the day before? Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, why are you dealing like this way with us, with your servants? There is no star given to your servant. And they say to us, make brick. And indeed, your servants are beaten. But the fault is your, your own people. But he said, that is Pharaoh, you are idle, idle. Therefore, you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore, now go and work, for no straw shall be given you, yet you shall deliver the quota of brick. And the officers of the children of Israel thought that they were in trouble after, after it was said, you shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. So now it's maybe only a couple of days since Moses, Aaron, and the elders met with Pharaoh, and the task is getting hard. Their officers, which would be Jews that are overlooking uh, Jews, uh, they were taken and beaten because they were not fulfilling that which was required. Now, let's go to slide number four. Right after this meeting with Pharaoh, in verse 20, they came out from Pharaoh. They met Moses and Aaron who were waiting to meet them. And they said to them, let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us a horrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. These were extremely harsh words, harsh words from their own brothers. Sure, their burdens were hard. They voiced their discontentment to Moses, but the harshness that these words brought to Moses must have really moved him. And Moses sought the Lord. And verse five, uh, slide five, please, please. Thank you. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I've come to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to your people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. I want you to think about this. How easy would it have been for the Lord to just to deliver his people in a moment's notice? Moses is beginning to trouble in his spirit because he knows hardship has been brought upon his people. But yet, perhaps, Moses is not seeing the fullness of God's plan yet. But yet, he's troubled because he's been chastised by his own people, and those words hurt. But what does Moses do? He seeks the face of the Lord. And from what was read this morning, slide number six, I'll read it to you just a little bit differently. Therefore, says Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people. And I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am 
the Lord your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as, an, as a heritage. I am the Lord. Wow. Talking about an answer to prayer. Do you realize how encouraging these words are to Moses? Do you realize the strength, the encouragement these words bring to his soul? Do you realize that after God spoke these words, Moses didn't have to go back and ask? God made it extremely clear. Yes, I will. What's Moses' response to listen to the word of God? Listen to his words and obey and leave the rest to God. In Exodus 7, I'll read you this. And Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded them. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh, and it became a servant. And then Pharaoh also called out his wise men as sorcerers, now his musicians, and they did so in a like manner with their enchantments. For each one cast down their rod, and it became servants. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. And Pharaoh hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. You know, in some ancient writings that they found in the streets of Burbank, California, recalls this moment and calls this Pharaoh's first staff meeting. I know, pretty bad joke. But the amazing thing was Moses was the only one to leave that meeting with his staff. Must have been a bummer for everybody else. Now, this is a question. What do you think? Pharaoh was thinking while this was taking place. A simple staff being thrown to the ground. Now, the staff of Moses was real. It was a real staff. Somehow or another, I guess, as we've noticed before with musicians, the, basically the word means I'm going to fool you some kind of way. I'm going to trick you into believing that something is that it's really not. And they've been doing that forever. So now, what do you think? A simple staff being thrown on the ground turns into a serpent, and these musicians and sorcerers or whatever come up, and they do the same thing. Moses, um, Pharaoh had to be thinking in his own heart, this must be some kind of a musician trick. Or at the very least, he would be saying, if the God of the Hebrews is the true high God, why is he doing some cheap trick? Why doesn't he display his power and his glory? Anybody can do this trick. So Pharaoh just turns him away and says, go. Even though there was something about this rod of Moses that made it just a step higher and that never had it been seen before that a Rod that is turned to a serpent that eats other serpents had never been witnessed before. So there was something unexplainable with Moses' rod. Now, 
we see how the plan God has laid out is beginning, is beginning to come into play. First to his people, then to Pharaoh with words the first time, the second time with a sign. And that sign was for Pharaoh only, private audience. Okay, Pharaoh, you want a sign? Here's a sign. But now we're moving into an area where it's going to affect far more people. We step into the plagues. The first plague of blood. Moses and Aaron did so as the Lord commanded, and they lifted up their rod and smote the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his uh, servants. And all the waters that were in them were turned to blood. And the fish in the river did die, and it stank, and the Egyptians could not drink the water. Uh, and there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. And the musicians, the sorcerers of Egypt, did so with their enchantments, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Neither did he hearken unto them, as the Lord said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house, and he didn't give the situation any thought at all. God is giving Pharaoh a choice. You can either believe that this is a natural phenomenon, which it is, algae that can grow in water, sometimes referred to as the red tide, does appear in the Nile. And yes, it does turn red. And yes, fish do die. But this miracle of blood went far beyond that. It went into ponds of water that were not connected to the Nile. It went to uh, clay pots, wooden pots, water that had already been drawn from the Nile. It appeared further and greater than anything before. But you have a choice. You can believe your eyes that are before you that this is a natural phenomena, or there's something greater going on. And the Lord displays his power by saying, yes, this is bigger than anything you've seen before. It may look similar, but it's not the same. And do you know that Pharaoh paid this no attention whatsoever? He didn't ask God to remove it or anything else. He just snuffed his nose up in the air, turned back into his palace, and that was that. Then we come to the second plague, the frogs. And we read in Exodus 8, 3 through 15, and it says, And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly that shall go up into your house and into your bedchamber and on your bed and into your houses of your servants and upon your people and in your ovens and into your kneeling troughs. And the frogs shall come up both on you and upon your people and upon all your servants. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying unto Aaron, Stretch out your hand and your rod over the streams, over the rivers, over the ponds, and cause the frogs to come out into the land of Egypt. And Aaron did so over the waters of Egypt, and frogs came up and covered the, covered the land of Egypt. But the, music, the musicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. But this time Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said unto them, Please inquire of the Lord that he may take away these frogs from me and from my people 
and I will let you people go that they may sacrifice unto the Lord. And Moses said unto, said unto Pharaoh, I like this, in the King James Version, it says, glory over me. When shall I require of uh, ask the Lord uh, for the for servants and for your people to destroy the frogs and in the houses and so forth? And Pharaoh said, tomorrow. And Moses said, very well, I will ask the Lord that tomorrow that only the frogs will be within the banks of the Nile, all other frogs will die. And so it was so. This is very interesting. This is the first time Moses is given Pharaoh, said, okay, Pharaoh, since you think that this is apparently some kind of a trick that we can turn the faucet on and off whenever we want to, or something of that nature, you determine when this plague is going to go away. So Moses says, Pharaoh, tell me, we didn't want these frogs to go away. Now, what's interesting is that he said tomorrow, tomorrow, which is interesting because that's the same answer that Moses gives Pharaoh every time. He didn't change it. He said tomorrow. And that's very interesting to me on, on this hand is because why didn't he say two days from now? How about immediately? Right now, change it up, make it a mystery. Let's say a week from the day, make it stop. He didn't do that. He made it the same. Have you ever thought maybe why he said that? Maybe he said that because he didn't want to change it, that everything would look the same. So he could make the same excuses. Let's not change it up. But the frogs, again, were not an unusual thing for Egypt. Frogs seasonally would come out of the Nile, and they had a season to where they were in abundance, but not in the abundance that's explained here. This was a super abundance, if you will. So let's look at the next slide, if you will. Yeah, this is the next plague. And the Lord said unto Moses, say unto Aaron, stretch forth your rod and smite the dust, that it may come lice throughout all of Egypt. Some translations say gnats, gnats instead of lice. Okay. Either one, it could be interpreted either way. So when they did so, Aaron stretched forth his hand with his rod. He smote the dust of the earth, and it became lice and man and beast. And all the dust of the land became lice throughout all Egypt. And the magicians attempted to do so with their enchantments to bring forth light, but they could not, for there was lice upon man and beast. And then the magicians said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened. So what does this say? we finally gotten to a point there's something the musicians and the sorcerers and the scientists can't duplicate. They are the ones that come up and they tell Pharaoh, now, not by the mouth of Moses, not by the mouth of Aaron, not by the mouth of the Hebrew witnesses, but by his own servants now are coming to Pharaoh and said, this is the finger of God. So what do you do now? Pharaoh does not acknowledge them. 
but continues on his way as to say, as a matter of fact, nor did Pharaoh ask Aaron or Moses to beseech the Lord to do away with this affliction of life or gnats. He did not because he's still saying, I am the Lord, I am the God of Egypt, I alone. The next plague was flies, starting in Exodus 8.21 through 30. It says this, and they say to Pharaoh, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send flies upon you, upon your servants and people, and to and into the houses and houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also on the ground wherever you are. And I will sever that day the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there, to the end that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. And I will put my division between my people and your people. Tomorrow shall be this sign. And the Lord did so. And there came a grievous swarm of flies in the house of Pharaoh and in his servants' house in all the land of Egypt. And the land was corrupted by reason of swarms of flies. And Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said to them, Go sacrifice to your God in the land. Sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses says, no, this is not meant for us to do so. Uh, we can't sacrifice um, in, in the land of Egypt because it's an abomination in the eyes of the Egyptians. If we attempt to sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, won't they stone us? <clears throat> we will go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he has com commanded us. In other words, God's word cannot be compromised. And Pharaoh said, you know what, I'll let you go, that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only don't go too far away. Now, seek the Lord to get rid of these flies. And they did so. Pharaoh now is trying deception. He's trying, let's compromise. He's doing everything that he can. But this time, he's learning a new lesson. It's that God does separate his people from all the people of the earth. He's seeing this firsthand. And it's beginning to sound like he's starting to give in. Perhaps he's beginning to see. But we're not finished. The next plague that comes up, the fifth plague is on the livestock. And the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell him, says the Lord God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and continue to hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will come a very severe pestilence on the livestock that are in your fields. It will affect your horses, your donkey, your camels, your herds, and your flocks. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt so that nothing will die at all that belongs to the sons of Israel. And the Lord defined the time. He says, tomorrow the Lord will do this thing. So the Lord did this thing the next day, and all the livestock of Egypt died 
but out of the livestock of the sons of Israel, not one died. And then Pharaoh sent a messenger out and checked the livestock of Israel and found that none had died. And Pharaoh is clearly being shaken. And it's interesting how if you look at these plagues and look at all the events that are coming to Pharaoh, they are gradually stepping up ever so slightly more and more, like a drumbeat that starts off quiet in the beginning, but slowly gets louder and louder and louder and louder. So it is in Pharaoh's ears. The, the drumbeat is getting louder. When the sixth plague comes, and the Lord said unto Moses, take hands full of soot from the kilt, and let Moses throw it up in the air in the sight, in the sight of Pharaoh. And it shall become dust over all the land of Egypt and become boils breaking out and sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. And the musicians could not stand. The musicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. For the boils came upon the musicians and upon the Egyptians. Something different. But the Lord, but the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh. So he did not listen to them. This is the first time that it's mentioned that it was the Lord that hardened Pharaoh's heart. All other times, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. He was viewed as a God ruler over all the land of Egypt. Whatever he said was done. And God slowly is working at the heart of not just Pharaoh, but his court, Pharaoh's court, Pharaoh's people. Everybody is being affected. And now we come to the final part, his purpose. What is the purpose of all of this? And it actually comes in the seventh plague. God reveals why he's doing what he's doing and so forth. I can get you the slide number eight, please. And then the Lord said unto Moses, rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh and said to him, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself and on your servants and on your people so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Well, by now, I could, have, I could have put out of hand, I'm sorry, well, by now, I, I could have put my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, and you would have been cut off from the earth. In other words, I could have just slain you. I could have been done with it by now. But for this purpose have I raised you up to show you, Pharaoh, my power, so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. You are still exalting yourself against my people and will not let them go. Behold, this time tomorrow, I will cause a very heavy hail to fall, such as never 
been seen in Egypt from the day that it was founded until now. Now, therefore, send your livestock and all that are in the field to a safe shelter. For every man and beast that is in the field uh, field and is not bought into a home will die when this hail falls on them. Then whosoever fears, then whosoever fears the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh, hurried his slaves and his livestock into the house. But whoever did not pay attention to the words of the Lord, let their slaves and their livestock in the field. It's all about having faith in God. God is revealing himself to all the land of Egypt and to his Hebrews. His Hebrew sons, he's increasing their faith by what they're seeing and believing that this is the hand of God. Their faith is increasing. But at the same time, the Egyptians are hearing how the God of the Hebrews has brought these plagues. And now they're beginning to believe. They're beginning to believe that whatever God says, he will accomplish. That's the main point. God is saying right here that Passover is much more than just a memory for us each and every year. If we really took Passover to its furthest extent, we would have to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, and we would have to go all the way forward to the end of the book of Joshua. This is how far-reaching Passover is. We have a God that redeems his people. But the bottom line, too, God loves us, and he loves all mankind. Yeshua said that it's his desire that no man perish because he loves us all. God has demonstrated himself in these scriptures in very many and very powerful ways, and he still does so today in each and every one of our lives. God is real. God is alive. He hears us. He sees us. He knows our needs. Just like he knew the needs of the Hebrews, they needed deliverance. They needed redemption. They needed to be saved. Are we any different? We're not any different. I would ask that you bow your heads with me for just a moment. Precious Heavenly Father, mighty God, Lord, you see each and every one of our needs. You know our heart. Lord, you know the trouble that we've been through. But you're there with us. You're there to redeem us. You're there to heal us. Lord, we pray, hear the prayer of our hearts. Lord, forgive us of our trespasses and our unwillingness to hear your voice. Open our eyes. Open our ears. Let your voice be heard. Thank you, Lord, for hearing my prayers. In Yeshua's name, amen.